I think One Nation's been the only consistent political party for the last 20 years. They're not talking about you. Well, let me tell you, One Nation is talking about you. run away from One Nation. They're too scared to ask us any questions, mainly because we're straight talkers and we've got the answers. This is like a call to arms. You guys need to start making the real decisions and who you're going to vote for. All right. Welcome back to the ex-candidates. My name is Stephen Tripp and uh, again, I'm joined by Adam Zara. How are you going, Adam? Uh, good, Stephen. How are you going, mate? I'm um, all right. Unfortunately, we don't have Rebecca here tonight. She's uh, She can't come on. But we have Gay Cameron, uh, who we've brought on because everything that's happening with Scott Morrison at the moment, in the and he's the member for Cook, which mm. is the electorate that Gay is in, we thought we'd bring her on and get her comments about everything that's happening and a few other issues as well. So how are you going tonight, Gay? Pretty good, pretty good. Um, weather's warming up. That's the best thing. Yeah, it's excellent living down the Shire and being able to head down to Wanda Beach and all those areas. So, uh, yep. and I, I actually lived in Sylvania at the 2019 election, so I know how hard you work for your uh, electorate of Cook. How do you feel about everything that's happening with Morrison at the moment? It just, um, it's, a very, it's a very bizarre situation. Um, well, you know, when you hear about one ministry or two, but then five. I wouldn't be surprised there's more. Mm. Yeah, well, it's, it's the thing that kind of um, baffles me a little bit, it didn't all happen at the same time either. It's, it's mm. Some of them are, you know, it's, it's all staggered. So what was he actually doing? What was he trying to achieve? It's almost like uh, a bit of a power trip for me. Um, I mean, even during war, during World War Two. Um, Menzies didn't do anything like this. Um, no, here, here it is here. So uh, he health, which he appointed himself in March of 2020, then Treasury in May of 2021, Finance in March of 2020, Home Affairs in May of 2021, and then Industry, Science, Energy and Resources in April 2021. So it's all over the shop. It's interesting about um, the finance portfolio because Matisse Corman's got a real cushy job now overseas. Yeah, okay. Interesting. Where's the yeah, finance? Oh, yeah, there we go. And and Simon Birmingham is on the outer, if you, you know, listen to the politics in Canberra at the moment. Yeah. So it's almost like a coup d'etat with Morrison well, trying to... You know, I don't know what game he was playing at, but, I mean, all I can say to people is when you've got Scott Morrison, who was the former treasurer for Malcolm Turnbull, that just goes to show what protege he was. Well, that's probably that's a good point, actually. That's right. That's and what do you think? And I just don't understand how he even did it. That's I thought there was rules against all that kind of thing. I thought they did, he didn't even tell he didn't even tell the ministers that he was like shadowing yeah. as such. No, and what's interesting, I've watched a, a bit of a video today on a um, commentary done about um, Scott Morrison's tricks and it talks about the Governor-General. Governor-General normally would gazette 
any um, ministry being sworn in, but none of this was done at all. There was not even a publication made of anyone being sworn in, even if it was done in secret. Um, you know, when you hear about Josh Frydenberg talking about he didn't know anything about it, he is the treasurer. He holds the purse to the nation. Mm. So, yeah, and, a, and they apparently were living together at, at um, what's the, the house called in? Kirribilli. Where they, yeah, the Kirribilli, lodge. sorry, Kirribilli House, the lodge. That's the one, sorry, I forgot. Oh, the, the lodge is in yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, but no, sorry, Kirribilli House. They were, apparently they were living in Kirribilli House, uh, Billy House together, having microwave dinners or something and being all friendly and chummy and, and, he, and he still didn't know. No, no. And, look, the thing you've got to ask is what did he sign or authorise in that position as ministers and no one knows about? Yeah, that's the thing. Government's meant to have transparency, but all of this done in secret during, you know, uh, a pandemic where, you know, everything was uh, being thrown at us, you know, maybe he just thought that he could just, uh, you know, push this along and, and wouldn't get noticed, but everything comes out in the end. So surely he would have known this would have been exposed ultimately. Maybe he was hoping he was going to be on the other side of the planet in a very cushy World Economic Forum job or some other, I don't know, disciple gathering sort of, you know, he might be a preacher. Who knows what he's going to do? I mean, for the first week of Canberra, he had the gall not to even go to Canberra for the first week of Parliament just sitting and went to Japan. Yeah. So you're you're on the ground in Cook. You've been uh, dealing with this man for quite a few uh, elections now. This, did this surprise you at all? This this sort of like you know, like, I don't think anyone can imagine anyone would do this. But did it? Surprise I don't trust him. I just don't trust him. Uh, look, I'm ex-liberal, and I speak to a lot of senior liberal people in the Shire, and they don't trust him. Don't yeah. trust him one bit. Well, and because it, it comes across as a larrikin kind of like, you know, your average, not average Joe, but your Joe Blow kind of bloke, you can know, you probably could have a beer with him and he kind of looks all right. And then what happens is, but the more and more that I'm seeing or investigating and hearing about this guy, like the more of this shady stuff that's starting to happen and you're kind of like, well. I, I look, I mean, Adam, to be honest, when you have a person who has a permanent smirk on their face, and even in such tragedy times, like we had like the big bushfires, he mm -hmm. had a smirk on his face. Like he just, he lacks empathy. He lacks any sympathy. He's very, um, he's not a people person. He may come mm -hmm. across as a, you know, a, a photo opportunist, but he never actually is a people person. No one sees him in the Shire unless the sharks are playing. Well, you, you brought up the bushfires. What about when he went to visit the people that had been affected by the bushfires and he went to try and shake their hand and they wouldn't shake his hand, so he, like, literally reached across and grabbed the guy and, and forced that's, him to shake his hand? That's just rude. That's just well, rude. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's, uh, Not only that, there's um, some mental things going on there. I'm not quite sure how you would diagnose that, but uh, it's very strange behaviour. We haven't got it. We haven't got time. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, so. probably shouldn't probably shouldn't really go there anyway, even though, you know, Gay could probably have done some sort of, you know, what do you call it, assessments by sight. Um, My mother time. always said if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. Say anything well, the, at all. The, that's the crazy right. thing is that all these memes are popping up about the situation, people making fun of it. Fair enough, you know. It's, it's a, that's it's, Australia for you. That's right. But then he's trying to make light of it all by replying to all these memes. So this is, a, I mean, when you really look at it, this is a serious matter. This is a, almost a, an attack against our constitution and our system of government. He was the prime minister and he's trying to make light of it. I don't understand what his, uh, what he's trying to achieve by that. Like, he, does he just have no uh, respect for our system of government at all? I think it's ignorance, Steve. Um, very, I mean, during even COVID, he was very um, forthright and very um, demeaning in some, sometimes when he's even doing a public address. Um, you know, even when he was sitting behind his desk in Yarralumba doing live broadcasts, he still just had this. Um, it wasn't showing leadership skills. I mean, if you're going to put someone in a position like the Prime Minister, um, you expect someone to be a leader, to make hardcore decisions for this country, show a bit of compassion, show a bit of empathy, but at the same time be real and be honest and be sincere and not at one point during COVID, like the last two years, um, you could say he has shown any real leadership skills. Now, I'll give you a classic example. During um, post the shooting incident down in Tasmania, um, John Howard made a hard decision, but he stood up in front of, you know, thousands of gun owners in the country and he spoke to them. Even though he had a, you know, bulletproof vest on, he still showed leadership and he still spoke to the people, right? That is true leadership. Um, where's Scott Morrison? Where is he in the electorate? If Lily Pilly Soccerfield's got a game on, that's where he is. If the Sharks are playing, that's where he is. Um, we don't see him here. He doesn't mix with the people. He's done nothing for the electorate. He's... When I say nothing, there's nothing to show that Scott Morrison gave funding for this. Scott Morrison opened this. Um, you know, there's been a few state things done, but nothing from Scott Morrison's office. Yeah, and you think once he was, um, you know, in, you know, once you prime minister, I mean, I could imagine that, you know, I mean, we can only imagine how busy and their schedule is, but you would definitely have your electorate as a priority. If you could get back to your electorate, if you can go for a football game, you probably should go be able to go there and make an announcement that this is what you're doing for the area and this is how you're looking after your electorate. So there's no, I can't imagine without ever obviously experiencing that kind of um, position um, that, that there wouldn't be a time or um, something in the schedule where you could get there to do something for the people. But it goes to show you, Adam, that, you know, mankind, like during, like you guys have been in the last federal election. And if you stop to think, 
if you observed the voters, the voters weren't voting for a person. They were voting for a colour or voting for a party name. Yeah. At the end of the day, you've got to represent your people, your local community. Now, I'm sure that not everyone across Australia would know who their state or federal members are. They just know they vote Labor because it used to be the union party or they vote Liberal because it was for business and Greens to hug a tree. But, you know, yeah. these days, who are you voting for? Well, and that's that's a really interesting point there, Gay, because I've got to be honest with you, um, if they've left, if, if both parties, the major parties, Liberal and Labor, have actually left their ideologies, so it's very easy to argue that um, Liberal are no longer, you know, following the Menzies way of life or rules or whatever it is, or credo, and then Labor definitely aren't for the worker. I mean, there's been instances where they've come out and say that they're more about the corporate, they're more about the bigger people now, not so much the coal-faced worker, you know, struggling in the ground. Um, your Greens, funnily enough, we had um, another um, what uh, guest on the other night um, and she actually said that the Green policies aren't really particularly green. They cut, they'd rather mow down hectares of forest to put up one windmill and not really get a result from it than actually save the trees anyway. So they're not even what they proclaim to be. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's – and how do you educate the people to know, to let them know that um, tr they're not the traditional parties they used to be? It's it's an old saying, Adam, there's so many rusted-on voters because they're um, – I call it the intergenerational vote because their grandparents voted Labor or, and then their parents voted Labor, so I have to vote Labor. Um, I had people coming up taking how to vote cards from me saying, oh, I'm going to vote what my daughter wants because that's her future. And I thought, yeah. okay, if, but if you want to make it a better world for your daughter, when you vote for a party that you have knowledge experiences on rather than your daughter who's 20, 19, just out of school, no worldly experiences, and it's going to vote green because they're going to get free, was it, free university degrees. That was and the Free dental. Song. Yeah. Free, free dental. dental. I mean, come on. Like, and it, it, that was the biggest farce that they were talking about and spooking. People believe it. And uh, I used to say, oh, no, I was saying, I was countering to people. What's free? Taxpayer money or taxpayer funded is not free. You're paying for it in the end. Or, but you're not paying for yourself. If you've got good teeth, like I've got, I don't even have a cavity. And um, if I've got good teeth and I'm paying in my tax levy for dental, I'm paying for somebody else's dental. We know that every time you smile, Adam, you, you're pearly white. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> anytime I get to speak about my teeth. <laughs> Adam, you raised a good point just before um, about the parties, and we saw it in The Hunter, okay? Um, Dale McNamara run a pretty tough campaign in that seat and you know the stats were showing that we were going to get it for one nation but when labor got in and then we've seen what the labor bloke has said just in the last three weeks about oh no more coal mining you know he wants to shut down coal mining i thought hang on this bloke is a miner he's also 
representing labor for the hunter and singleton so this is what people are just so blindsided by they're just hoodwinked by you know lies speaking well, of um you go adam um no i was going to say just quickly on that topic I mean, we've been, um, you know, obviously heavily involved in state. No one's endorsed or anything as yet, but, you know, we're still talking about it and we're still we're still active in um, ca um, campaigning and stuff anyway, whether it's me or somebody else. So I'm just keeping all those ties in with, with um, my volunteers and supporters um, to keep the name alive. Um, but um, when we had the last meeting with um, Mark Latham, Mr Latham, um, he said you can't educate. You just got to, you can't educate your, the broad uh, public. He goes, you just have to stick to your policies because the people, you, you, you don't have the time to, to, to reach the base because that's what I was trying to do in the federal. I would, somebody would come up to me and go, ah, oh, you know, I'm voting for the Greens. And then I'd turn around and go, but they want to cut down the trees to put up a windmill. Like I said before, how is that green? Tell me how anything that they're saying is actually going to benefit the world. Oh, but, you know, sun and solar and all that. And I said, well, what about the chemicals? And you come back with them and what happens is you end up in about a 45-minute conversation with these people because they'll talk with you. And then um, what happens is you're not really reaching the masses, are you? Whereas solid policy seems to be the key, but we're not seeing solid policy from anybody other than one nation at this point. Yep. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, I'm I'm hearing you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's interesting. Like campaigning is so much different to what it was back when our parents or grandparents were, you know, going to vote. Um, people used to watch media to get true, honest news. No one can even watch the media anymore because she. They all conflict each other. Like, it's hilarious. You can watch Channel 7, 9, 10, the commercials, TVs, and you can tell which side their pendulum swings. Um, and then you can watch channels like Sky, GB News, um, SBS, for example. I, I've got some faith in SBS now. Um but ABC, forget that. I just hit, watch the ABC to see what's going on and then I'll make my own decision. <laughs> and it's the same with radio as well. Radio is always skewed a certain way. So how do you get balanced news? You just can't anymore. Not anymore. No, not anymore. Now, if we look at if we look at Cook specifically, uh, Morrison had an 8% swing against him at the last election, but he's still got a, a massive uh, a dominance there, 55% of the primary vote, which, you know, a lot of rusted on, on Liberals there. But speaking from my experience, I came from an electorate similar to yours, uh, you know, beachside uh, area, but we had, a you know, the Queen of the Teals here, and uh, even if you look a little bit north from me in McKellar, uh, uh, Jason Felinski had an 11% swing against him and the teal there uh, ended up winning. What's the risk of a teal popping up in Cook, especially if Morrison does have to step down over this issue and there's a by-election? I'd say pretty likely. Yeah. yeah. I would say and as well. Yeah. I would not be surprised. It's the, I'm trying to think of her name. She ran in the seat of Hughes against Craig Kelly. She was the um, 
Simon Simon Holmes, a court candidate. Yeah. Um, she's a litigation lawyer. She's she went pretty hard. I mean, she had a lot of money behind her. Um, yeah, I just wouldn't be surprised that would pop up. Um, what was more surprising, Steve, was the green vote. In Cook. Yeah. Yeah. So they got not, they got almost ten percent of the vote. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. No, that's an increase. And I put it down to like Steve, even like since twenty nineteen, the seat of Cook is now heavily populated with a younger population. It's almost becoming like a Bondi junction of the South. Um like Miranda, Karingba, um, Guymere um, and Cronulla, all the trendies, all across the railway line now you've got like skyrocketing towers going up and it's all double income, no kid, um, trendies, um, a larger gay population moving into the area. Um, so it, it's it- the, the demographics has changed quite a lot. Was it a lot of migrants as well? A lot of migrant? Um, Rich migrants because the the average house price in the Shire is around about 1.6 million Um, and units, two-bedroom units are averaging around about 800,000 in the Shire. Yeah, I've done a a little bit of work in the Shire, like with my business fitting blinds and stuff like that, and I was actually – not surprised in a negative way, but surprised to see that how multicultural the um, citizenship in that area has become, which, um, you know, no one's against it, but, like, yeah. it's just seeing how, the demog- they're just seeing how the demographic changes over time. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it has increased, um, which um, for you I like it because I like the restaurants and cafes. Um, yeah, the good food. Yeah, good food. Yeah, the European food. Um, but, you know, I mean, there's a, a, usually a traditional Greek and Italian in the area, um, generational, but we're starting to see um, more Hong Kong Chinese and um, I'd probably say Orthodox Lebanese um, coming into the area as well. Um, there's probably been, if you looked at all the suburbs around Sydney, there's a been a lot of ships and that's because a lot of developments um you know like with the northwest rail and the um metro lines and the um m6 development that's going through this area as well it's shifting people to where the transport hubs are was um, it was it sorry. georgia steel that you're talking about in hughes yeah georgia yeah. steel yeah 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 okay so you think that she could potentially run for cook Silent, silent achiever. Mm, fair enough. Do you think that Morrison should step down over this issue? I think he should have stood down after the election, to be honest. Okay. It's it's almost a seen tradition, you know, once a, a, you know, prime minister loses the election, they usually step down and step aside. And but how, how about he came out the other day and said, oh, I haven't been following politics recently. You're still a sitting member. Like, what are you talking about? You're meant to be working Get hard. involved. Your electorate. <laughs> Look, I mean, it may sound a bit odd, but 
was it a month before the election, a for sale sign went out on the front of his electorate office down at um, Cronulla. Wow. Wow. That's, uh, that's interesting. The Labor candidate rang me up. He said, have you seen the sign? And he sent it through to me. I went, oh, okay. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> Um, so you, meant, wow. you mentioned the M6 going through your area. What are some of the issues that you think are, are really, that Cook really needs, you know, I, I live down there. There's not much public transport. There's hardly, you know, there's a train line down the Cronulla and, and everything. But it's, an, it's kind of an area similar to Warringah. We get neglected in terms of uh, any big transport projects or anything like that. Um, look, I think if if they did put the M6 right through, um, I think it's stopping at Cogra at the moment because I think the state governments hasn't got the money for it. Um, but if it continues through through that corridor of land through Miranda up to join the Princess Highway up at Engadine, there's a lot of tunnelling to be done. The problem with the roads, it's the tolls. People can't afford it. Yeah. Yeah, that's the trouble. They they build all these roads and they, they give it straight to Transurban and Transurban just puts a big toll on there. So, yeah. yeah, The biggest opportunity for transport for the Shire and the eastern suburbs peninsula is to um, have a ferry service from Cornell across to La Perouse and then have a shuttle bus on the existing bus line across Anzac Parade into the city. That's really interesting. I've never heard anyone say that before i've never even thought about having a ferry service down there it was it was thought of back in the 70s that they wanted to have a ferry service from headland to headland but because of Cornell, um the oil refinery which is now gone um <laughs> there is now a you know big jetty out there that you could have big commercial ferries going from Cornell. Out to um, La Perouse, there's a huge terminus at La Perouse where buses already terminate. Um, and then you've got the light rail on Anzac Parade, which can just shuttle people into the city. And there's heaps of land that could be developed or redeveloped out at Cornell for that reason, for multi-storey car parking. Um, so there's potential, but... You know, the problem is, again, there's no leaders in this country anymore and no-one's got vision. They're, they can only see three years or four years at the end of their nose and they just worry about winning the next election. Um, I liken a good leader to, like, Lee Kuan Yew in Singapore. He had a vision post-World War II that Singapore would be a nation of the future. So he had 50- and 100-year plans and that's how... Singapore's gone leaps and bounds ahead of Australia post World War Two. Yeah. Well, I, I, I know there is a long term plan to extend the metro down to La Perouse, but that's going to happen in twenty fifty. <laughs> Just madness, isn't it? They announce these things, and yeah, well, how, yeah, that's right. Well, you know. Who knows what? But then will again, it'll probably fall apart before then because look, they've already got cracks in that in the light rail already. So it'll be just um, be like that um, NAV ad on TV where you see the woman driving the car and next minute the side panels fall off and all you can see is someone sitting on the wheels going by. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Well, I think um, back to the point of like development and and policy for the future and legislation for the future. I mean, good policy is good policy. If you can have um, a good leader, and then you have a good opposition leader, and you're working, it's not about working in difference to each other all the time. Um, you know, if you have good solid policy that's funded that we can figure it all out, that we can work together for and actually design a better future for Australia, then that could possibly then have, you could work towards a 100-year plan. If they work more in, well, we don't want a single government, but what I'm saying is they work together and they and they thought about it more and debated it better in Parliament, they could probably nut out some pretty good plans. Like I've never heard about that ferry idea that you had, um, mm. Gay. That, that's... You're getting traffic off the road, you're using ferry services, then you're using light rail and they're using, you know, um, bus services through the um, through the city that's already there. Beautiful. What a good plan. So, um, yeah, that's very good. I, you know, what do you think about, you know, having what about One Nation? That's why One Nation's so good, right? Why we can work with anybody because we're not bound by code. What do you think about that? <sighs> I tell you what, you're very true about there. Like people may come to like you've got to stop to say if you had a look at New South Wales State Parliament at the moment, I wish I had a vending machine selling popcorn because it is like the circus tent and everyone is running out at the moment. And the only ones left standing is Rod Roberts and Mark Latham, Judas Fisher's farmers. And everyone else is falling like a deck of cards. It's um, this. <laughs> it's and like my nation. We're almost like the referees um, in the pack at the moment. Everyone comes to us to be clear thinking, making ju sound judgment, um, and keeping everyone, keeping the bastards honest. You know, it's a term that Pauline usually says: keep the bastards honest. And it's true. Um, it always seems to be that one nation will hear both sides of the fence um, and we will make a clear, methodical decision based on what the people need, not what the parties want, but what the people need. Because I think everyone forgets people vote for a person to represent them in the parliament, not the party. And, and you know, it's... Oh, <laughs> I'll keep calm. <laughs> no, but you're right because we just did an interview. That's with all Rod right, Roberts. River. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We want to see you fired up. But we just did an interview with Rod Go Roberts, which should be coming out uh, next week. And the the great thing that I love about Rod is he, he's not a career politician. He's not like these uh, you know Labor people that have come on come up through the union movement or the young liberals and just these people that have been political staffers and things all throughout their whole life. Rod's had such a diverse uh, uh, set of, you know, careers in, in his history and, and he knows what people are going through out in the real world. And if we want to shift towards the state election uh, as a topic, uh, it's just, um, it's, 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 it's how do you see this state election going? Like, how do we appeal to rusted on Labor voters and Liberal voters and say, "Hey, look, look at Mark Latham, look at Rod Roberts, look what the, look at what they've achieved in the upper house and state parliament." And you know, how do we appeal to these you know rusted on 
like we say liberal voters, which the liberal government's a circus at the moment with everything that's happened with Barilaro and Matt Keane and all these <laughs> circus creatures. <laughs> and Eleni Petnos from Miranda. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so... <sighs> Yeah, as you said, it is a circus. So, uh, you know, how would you, what what would you say to people, uh, you know, with the state election coming up? Why should people vote for One Nation? What, what's one of the? Look, I mean, I speak to people now in the street when I go shopping. Like even today, people walked up to me. Oh, you ran in for the federal? Are you going to run in state? And I just said to them, look, I'm keep my cards to Manchester at the moment. But, um, and they just said, look, I. I can't believe I voted for Scott and he's let us down. And then I said, well, what is the Liberal Party about anymore? What what does the Liberal Party stand for? Like when I signed up for the Liberal Party years ago, like years ago, it was about um, conservative. It was about standing up for small business, the small business owner, like giving them a fair go, cutting out all the bureaucracy and red tape. Now it's more red tape. Um, it was about giving people good health, giving them a good education system, um, fair taxes. And now we've got more taxes. Every time a tax is created, nothing's taken away. So it's just like a club sandwich. They just keep adding layers. Mm. And like I speak to tradies, like the Shire is full of tradie utes. At 5.30 in the morning across Tom Ugly's Bridge, it's like ute after ute. It's an advertisement for Mitsubishi and Toyota, right? Yeah. Um, I used to be one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I still am. <laughs> My husband is. through the chicanes yeah. um, and the chicanes at Blakehurst. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you, you talk to the tradies and, they're just covered in layers and layers of red tape. Like they're going to pay GST, FBT. Um, they've now got all these other levies they're going to pay, environmental levies. Then they're going to pay waste levies and rubbish levies. And they said every time they get a levy whacked on them, the poor consumer is copping, you know, a higher fee. Um, so when you start looking at the true name, of the party, Labor, traditionally, back when I was young in Newcastle, I was born and raised in Newcastle, Newcastle was the, the you know, the true heart of Labor, you know, you know the blue Bonds T-shirts, the stubby shorts, you know, the miners, the wharfies, BHP Steel, all hard-working men, and they paid their union fees because the union would fight for their rights and that. Now we've got Labor hugging trees, um, building windmills, building solar farms. Um, Simon, what's it, Simon, Chris Bowen today was talking about um, EV cars that everyone should have an EV car and, you know, those dirty people that drive petrol and diesel cars. I thought, you idiot. <laughs> How can this country survive if we have this? People want to put food on the table. They want their kids educated. They just want to have a job. They want to be left alone, have a good life with their family and tell the government to stay out of their face. 
But Labor, Liberal, Green are all the same. There's no left faction, right faction because they're all left. Mm. Um, and the only party that is true conservative at this point in time and a bit of Labor because we're sticking up for the workers, the miners and the mining towns, is One Nation. Yeah. And, and in New South Wales, you've really got to thank Mark Latham for his true hard work, his grit and determination to get it with Rod Roberts in Macquarie Street. And I just, as I'm getting to know um, those two men better um, with with our meetings and, and learning from them and stuff like that, my faith um, in those guys actually is growing and growing and growing. Um, you know, you can't just, off I've never, actually, Mark Latham is so passionate about mm. doing right by the people. Yeah. And I want, I just would like people to tune in, to see, to hear him speak. And you can, it, and when you're face to face and when you're watching him, like not perform, but speak, um, you can see the passion in his face. He's not lying. He genuinely cares. I haven't seen, a, 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 I'm calling him, he's a leader. He's a leader of New South Wales One Nation. Mm. I haven't seen I haven't seen a leader as passionate as somebody as him forever like ever. I just yeah. feel like he's just he's a strong knows what he wants, knows how to get it kind of character. Um very straight shooter. Um Rod's the same. Rod with our meeting um and our interview with him, the straightest shooter you'll ever see it was really good. I actually thanked him for it because it's like, you know, in politics there's always a little bit of um in politics, there's always a little bit of smoke and mirrors. I don't care who who it is or what party it is. There's always a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Um, but, you know, this is what we want. This is what we expect. This is how we're going to do it. Look at what I'm doing with the housing. Look at what I'm doing with um, the anti-mandates. Look at what I'm doing with this. It's all here, you know, and he was showing us, like, it's all here. It's all here. It's all here. So, um, you know, One Nation, um, it's kind of like a combination of um, Liberal and Labor. We should be called the purples, not the oranges. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of like you know they got the teals. Well, let's be or let's be purple. So Jaffers. I don't know if there's. I like Jaffers. Jaffers. Well, this is Jaffers. This is Jaffers. <laughs> yeah, we'll be Jaffers. Red on the outside and brown on the inside. Because <laughs> we're all that colour. Um, look, the other thing that was interesting, like Mark Latham recently, last week I think it was in the Upper House, was talking about. Um, his recent visit to Burke and Wilcannia and all that with the Indigenous communities. And, you know, to hear all the poor stories about, you know, our Indigenous people, of particularly the children, you know, being abused and sexual abuse, he asked the question on the floor in Parliament to the Minister, Ben Franklin from the Nationals, about, you know, what are you going to do as the Minister for Indigenous Affairs about this? He, ben Franklin gets up and goes, oh, that's not my portfolio. It's not my responsibility. And you can see Mark was like, what? <laughs> well, hang on, your title is Indigenous Affairs. Well, who the hell does it? <laughs> and then they got early childhood and someone else to get up and ask the question. She said, oh, oh I don't, oh, it's like stuttering monthly. I'll have to get some. And this is the, this is government. 
it's it's almost it would almost be better TV than TV if you're watching it if you were watching well, you the, um, the, the news on. You wouldn't have to put the news on if you just broadcast live. I mean, when I'm in between clients and that, I usually will, you know, if the guys are on the floor, I'll watch what's going on. Um, but you just think to see, you know, the national liberals, they're just imploding and it's embarrassing. I, you know what, if I was on this, because I'm on the executive for New South Wales for One Nation, if I was the executive for the Liberals at the moment, I would be going, everyone, please explain what the hell is going on. Like, who are you? Because they are not the Liberal Party at all. No yeah. way. And they've I'm run a, out of I'm puff. lost. <laughs> but, I mean, I don't mind because it's looking better and better every day for One Nation. We... We have maintained the status. We have, we've kept our own methodical heads. We've got some great people around. I mean, you two are great. Um, you know, you, thanks. I know. Got to, got to say <laughs> that. But no, it takes takes one to know. Takes one to know one. I mean, people will even say to me, "Gay, why do you do it? This is your second time up against Scott. Why do you do it?" I said, "Because I'm bloody passionate for the people." You know, I'm I'm sick to death of seeing these politicians who are getting two hundred thousand a year of our money, of taxpayers' money, and they do nothing for me or my neighbours. Nothing. No. Um, it, it's and the recent um, downfall of the local state member here, Eleni Petnos. Um, career politician, what you mentioned before, Steve, um, she was in the Young Liberals hmm. and, you know, she was groomed for this role and she got voted in, in 2016. Um, but she's done nothing else. But everyone will make the joke, where is Eleni? Everyone only knows Eleni when you drive past her office with a photo on the front. No one sees her. Yeah. You mentioned the young liberals. Do you, see, do you see a lot of young people coming over to One Nation? Mm. I, I'm, um, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I've got a, a bit of a following at the moment on Instagram <laughs> with young ones, and they've been liberals. Yep. So we meet fortnightly now on Zoom. <laughs> wow. We have a, it's up to about twenty eight is the average numbers that come online, and they're from all over New South Wales. Wow. Um, I've got a, a cattle farmer's son from, um, where is it, um, Gunnada. I've got Coffs Harbour, Maury, um, Narrabri, Griffith, a um, few in Sydney. A couple of them are ex-Liberal. One's ex-Labor, young Labor, um, and two ex-Greens. And how old um, are they? Um, 16 through to about 24. Wow. We know that Jemima is one of them. She's been on our podcast and she's actually she's doing some podcasts. Yeah, she's, she's, uh, she's, she's so great. She asks better questions than we do. Yeah. Uh, um, I, t I told her, don't go to uni, join One Nation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, she's, she's, she's such a, um, it gives me a sense of hope that we have a future in this mm. country 
when I'm speaking to some of these really intelligent young kids, like the kid from Moree, a um, couple of weeks ago, I've got heaps of notes uh, written um, from them. Like he was talking about road problems. Um, if the government spent X amount percentage and added another, he was talking technical, because you're a road surveyor, you probably know what I'm talking about. Um, he said the government needs to add an extra 50 mil compact of blue metal underneath this base and on the shoulders they should be doing. And I said, if you don't engineering, no, but I've, every time there's a pothole in my roadway, I see what's underneath and I know what road base is surviving better than another. And I thought, these are young kids and this is the stuff the schooling system is not educating them, but he's worked it out himself. But these It's common are, sense. Yeah, common sense. They've got worldly experience. They've, they've followed something, they've learned something, critical thinking, which a lot of the kids don't know how to do anymore. They don't know how to analyse things and make judgment. They just take it for granted what's fed to them. That is it. That's the gospel. I mean, all these stuff you hear in schools, so it just makes me puke. <laughs> <laughs> well, lucky now, there is somebody like from One Nation who's actually standing up for all that as well. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, that's, that, you know, that's, mm -hmm. I mean, that's another topic, but, we, you know, we're hard against that. And actually when I'm talking to people in my electorate and around, to, people are know that One Nation are standing against the indoctrination of our children rather than our education of our children. So they know that we stand for education, not indoctrination. Yeah. So that's a good thing. So they know we're, we're, our name is getting out there and we are getting stronger as a party um, and it's through common sense policy we're seeing and, it. You know, you've got to laugh, Adam. I've even had, like, my neighbours on one side of me, they're elderly, they'll often come and knock on my door to ask me questions like, oh, Gay, what's woke? <laughs> oh. <laughs> so I've got to go and explain to them what wokeness is and then I've... They go, what's this gender neutrality and pansexual? And so I show them the alphabet of all the LGBTQIA plus alphabets. And they're like, oh, in our days, we just had male, female and the cross dresses. And I said, well, yeah, well, that's transgender. Oh, okay, this is confusing because they've got grandkids coming now talking about all this stuff. And they're like, what's going on? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's worry. Well, to go back to the youth, uh, you know, the Liberals have, the you know, the young Liberals and, all, you know, Labor's got the same thing. Uh, Adam and I have a name. Can we call it Youth Nation? Youth Nation. Yeah. Well, a lot of the, um, well, they wanted to call themselves Young Nation, but they said, oh, that, that segregates the oldies. I said, thanks a lot, kids. Um, <laughs> but no, they just said, you know, we are, we are, you know, future nation. You know, like yeah, we're, we're, right. the, we're the nation of the future. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I like future nation. How can how can they contact you to be part of this for anyone that's listening? If they want, they can send me uh, an email. Um, I'll just put the just to the secretary, um, secretary at nswonenation.org.au. Um, and then, yeah, drop me a line and then I can send them out an invite when we have the catch-ups and we talk about a lot of topics. It goes for an hour. This is in between school times. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they talk about everything, uh, future jobs. 
What's the job market going to be in the future? Uh, talking about TAFE, they want to assimilate TAFE as part of, like I can remember when boys had the option and girls, if they wanted to drop out in year 10 and then go and do a trade. Um, well, now the education, yeah, the education system now coerces them into staying in year 11 just to keep the stats up for education. Um, but the kids want to, like one of the boys, he said, I got my parents to give me permission to leave at year 10 because he went and got a plumbing apprenticeship straight away. Mm. Um, he said, I, I hate school. He said, I just want to be a plumber. I said, Kim, you're going to be the richest plumber because the people that go to universities are poorer than tradies. There's not a poor tradie in the Shire. <laughs> and people are desperate for tradies at the moment. There's a, a you know backlog of work, but they just can't find people to do it. So, it, this what frustrates me. Like, if you think about, we've got at the moment magically all these people have disappeared from jobs like everyone you know is short of jobs globally so have we lost billions of people around the world i don't think so but that's another topic but these kids said why can't the schooling system integrate as part of the education a skill for the future so yeah. why can't they do say legal studies in year 11, year 12, and that will be part of one year at university. So they've actually got a foot in the door and they're leapfrogging their education. Um, kids who want to be plumbers, right, put plumbing as part of, you know, 10 hours a week. They go to tape for that hours. Yeah. Well, they do. You do. You do metal tech at, at in high school. Well, they used to do metal tech in high school when I was yeah, in high school. I loved school. it. I loved it too. So why not? I loved it. Why can't they teach them to braze? Why can't they teach them to weld? I I learned how to. I did a welding course in in school in year I ten. I did arc welding at Newcastle High. Arc welding. Arc welding. You know, yeah. like that's awesome. Like you know, like why? I don't understand this. When I took my daughter to her high school interview, when we were looking for high schools for her, you know, like they had a in the in the food tech area, they had a couple of ovens and stuff like that. Now I pay for, like she goes to a Catholic school, so it's not like the bottom end of yeah. of the, the the scale. They had like a decent kitchen and stuff like that, but they were encouraging barista skills, not chefing skills. I mean, I'm not. I got nothing against a good barista who can make a coffee. I know that that's a good way to get a small job and stuff like that. But unless you open up your own barista um, and coffee shop and carry on through that and maybe franchise it, it's not really like a, a very like amazing career path. And we're going to make coffees all morning, every morning, every day for everyone. People need to do that. But in saying that, you should be giving our should be teaching our children to be chefs and like you know um, giving them better skills. So. Um, that was really surprising for me. And I've also noticed that some of the skills, you know, like for the technical skills, i.e. welding, i.e. mechanical and all that shop class and all that kind of stuff, they why aren't they doing that in high school anymore? Because of work, health and safety, you know, the safety they're going to. Look, I can remember at school, like I'm only 52 years young, okay, I'm not an old chalk, right, but if you stop to think, a lot of the kids, if they don't use the practical skills at school, later in life they don't 
they don't remember those things, all right? They don't have the confidence. They don't um, get a taste of what it's like. Now, I can remember doing biology at school, in high school. You know, you dissect a, a cow's heart. Oh, we did. Oh, I didn't do frog. We did a rat. I did and I got in trouble yeah. because I severed the rat's head off and I put it in a girl's pencil case. So I got in trouble. <laughs> oh, <that>. oh. <laughs> nice. Evil. Um, <laughs> look, we've all been kids. We all did silly things, right? But, you know, my daughter, when she was in high school, they watched a video because it was um, unhygienic or oh, it was because of the animal liberationists. I mean, a lot of these rats were, you know, lab rats. They did, aren't they? But they were frozen and we had to defrost them. But um, And ox hearts, you can't get a, a cow heart anymore. You can't get some of the awful anymore. Um, yeah. But I saw my butcher and I said, can I have a cow's heart? He said, I'll get you one. So he did. So my daughter wanted to see it because she said, a flat picture doesn't show you. Like she's a registered nurse now. Um, but, yeah. you know, she just said, Mum, did you do anything? I said, oh, yeah, we did cow's eyes. We did the eye, the heart, the lungs, a sheep's lungs to inflate the lungs through the trachea and all that. Um, but kids don't get that anymore. I know. It's, it's so bad. And the education system, that's why it's dropping down. I mean, I don't understand why. Um, we it was good enough for us to do. Why is it not good enough for them to do anymore? Are they better? Like it's kind of like are they better than us now? They're not allowed to get their hands dirty. I saw. I remember in shop class we had a guy cut his finger in half with a bandsaw. Right. There's, I mean, there's yeah, insurances yeah, for all this kind of stuff. Right. Then I remember also in we used to learn because uh, we also were taught how to sew. So I can hem my pants and sew t-shirts and all that kind of stuff i do it all the time still because i'm actually quite short right i have to um one of the guys actually put his hand through the machine and had a needle stuck right through his finger i mean it was i mean that was school i mean are you advocating you know, <laughs> you're trying to I, just, I just think i just think life i just think life and learning is experience yeah. and but you know you'll never do skills. that again they're life skills i mean yeah um we did what we called it home. I don't know why they call it home economics. I still can't understand why the word economics is that, uh, attached to it. But I, I believe it should be just um, home. domestic studies. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, like cooking. I think everyone learned how to uh, cook patty cakes and they were, ended up like rock cakes. Um, your sewing classes, you'd make an apron. Um, if yep. you did woodwork, everyone used to make the wooden square pencil case with the sliding the lid. Slide lid. The, yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they don't do that anymore. What? I've still got mine. I've still got mine. I have two. Yeah. <laughs> and pottery. If you've done pottery. I love it. Yep. Yeah. yeah I've still got my pottery. Yeah. Your pinch pot with the, um, yeah. the glazing. Yeah, we. I and, got all that. And the um, what they call it, the rolly rollies. You made like a sausage. Yeah, one. that's a pinch pot because then you pinch oh, it all together. Okay. Remember? Yeah. yeah. And then we had, um, and we also used, um, learned how to do the. Um, how old are you, Adam? Um, Wait, the question is, which one of us is the oldest? Because. <laughs> oh yeah, right. Come on. No, not you know, out of Adam. No, 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 out of Adam, out of Stephen and I. 
Steve. Oh my god. <laughs> That's you look terrible. like an old boy. That's terrible. I'm, um, I'm like five years older than Steve. I'm 37. Adam's 41. Oh. I must have had a hard life down in the. Down in, down uh, there's in no way you. <laughs> I'm get. I get. I get to tell you something. If I shaved my beard off, um, you would. You would. I would be younger again. It's just that Mediterranean blood in you. I age yeah. like a fine bottle of wine. I can't I get I better can't with age. Be. I'm gonna go and cry in a corner after this podcast. <laughs> no. Sorry. <laughs> That's, That's all right. right. <laughs> It's a running, it's a running joke. It's a running joke between Stephen and I because um, it's funny that most people assume actually. Well, I've noticed that we've noticed that that they say Stephen's a little bit older, or they seem to assume that he's older. Which that's all right, mate. That's all good. It's just because I'm still just youthful at heart. Maybe it must be the chest hairs. (laughs) (laughs) Cover those up a bit. Just like a seventies guy, trying to be like the One Nation sex symbol with my, you know, David Hasselhoff type thing. Oh God, on. thank God, Rebecca's not online. She'll be <laughs> no, no, I'm sure we'll be getting messages from her. She'll be watching. Oh, she can't watch this. Yeah, um, yep. but we would have been getting messages. So we're running out of time, but I do want to um, uh, yep. quickly touch on uh, something that you're very passionate about, and that's mental health. You work in the mm. field. What is, uh, is, is what's happening at the moment? I know you've told me in the past that there's a bit of a, a crisis happening with Oof. mental health. Oh, don't mention that word, crisis. Everything you see on the TV is a crisis. No, it's but crisis. honestly, it, it's a real, um, like we've had a pandemic apparently, um, but I think what's left over is a pandemic of mental health. Um like I'm in a private clinic and my bookings are like even I speak to fellow psychologists and psychiatrists and counsellors and we're all sitting like some days at the building we all share and we're going, what's in the water? What's going on? Um, And particularly in the last six months, um, a lot of younger people, coming in like in their early 20s, um, mass anxiety, um, depression. Um, I've had one, two, three, in the last three weeks, two suicide. Um, Yeah, I was speaking to a psychologist in my area and she said she knew of four people recently around the age of 16 that took their own lives. It's so sad, like. And, you know, it, it's it's really like for suicide itself, there's like three types of suiciders. There's those who just plan it and no one picks up on it and it happens. Um, there's those who just the last minute just do it um, and it was never going to be seen until later on sort of thing. And then there's those who are calling out for help who want to hurt themselves, but they end up killing themselves. Um, And it's just at the moment what is really, really getting to all of us, particularly um, the psychotherapists and counsellors, they cannot um, allow, well, their clients cannot claim on the Medicare system because 
the previous Liberal government had an opportunity to put the counsellors and psychotherapists that are registered and go through a huge grueling system um, to be part of the Medibank benefit system or MBS so patients and clients can get a rebate through Medicare. Some private health funds will allow psychotherapists and counsellors um, to allow their clients to claim some rebates through extras, but there's a greater population now who are dropping off private health insurance and, you know, like the fees to go and see a counsellor or a psychologist and that can be anything from 150 a session through to about 280 300 a session, just depending what it's for and how long. Um, GPs and that issue out mental health care plans, but that's just to give um, a script to a psychologist for a client to have six or eight sessions to get some money back from Medicare, but not everyone else. But the big thing is about anxiety and depression, and it's I'm, I'm kind of in a way happy that people are coming to talk to someone because a lot of people thought, oh, it's, it's all in my mind, or if, if you're a bloke, oh, you've got to be a bloke, you've got to be tough. That seems to be breaking down now, which is good. Um, but these young ones, it's about loss of direction. Um, who am I? They don't have a sense of purpose of who they are. Um, COVID lockdowns has destroyed so many souls in this country. Um, you know, I've, I've had older middle-aged tradesmen in my rooms sobbing because they've been let down and why should I go on? Why should I stay with my wife? Why should I stay with my, my kids? I just want to be left alone. I have been screwed over. Um, I've had a gentleman that you know, he did the right thing with his COVID payments, you know, and claiming for the COVID, you know, relief payments from government, state and federal, to pay his employees, which he did. But now because of a small miscalculation in Treasury, he's got to pay back $126,000. You know, he came in crying. He said, I can't even face my wife to tell her what's going to happen. He said, this will shut down my business. He said, that money was for the employees, which I paid. He said, now the government wants me to pay it back. He said, I don't have that money. It was, wasn't mm -hmm. mine. It was my employees. Yeah. And if he's not one, there's got to be many. Um, oh, 100%. And couples. Of, um, I deal with a lot of couple relationship counselling. And couples, um, the rising cost of living is killing people at the yeah. moment. Oh, I shouldn't say that, but you know what I mean. It, in a metaphorical way, it's, it's crushing people's lives i mean the common thing that couples argue over is money. money you know money is the root of all evil you know in a relationship um and you know couples are starting to lose the respect for each other um and it's it's just heartbreaking and i am tired i'm just literally tired of hearing both the federal health minister and 
the um, Bronwyn in state politics here. She's the Nationals um, Minister for Rural Mental Health and that. They talk BS because they are, oh, yeah, we're going to spend X amount. Well, where the hell are the resources? There's people out there like counsellors and all that who could benefit if they were given the money to see clients. But it's big organisations with propaganda, paraphernalia, brochures and websites. That's not helping people, you know. I think the biggest problem is that people don't have hope for the future. Like hope we're all overworked, nice. but we can't seem to get ahead. Interest rates are going up, cost of living is going up, inflation, and there doesn't seem to be a way out. If anything, it looks like things are going to get harder. Do you think that's one of the big problems? Absolutely. And, look, I've, I mean, I've got some smart clients. Like I've got some pretty in my area, and they travel from other areas to come to me, for example, like I can only speak for mine. Um, I've got some pretty high educated clients who said we just don't have a sense of direction where we're going. And they said Australia at the moment is like on a boat without a rudder. It's just drifting around on the ocean. It has no clear linear pathway of where we need to go. Now, if the government, Labor, Liberal, whoever, whoever's in government post a pandemic, right, and, and history's repeating, post a pandemic should be giving the people a sense of hope as in what we're doing now, what we need to do in the next 10 years so we can work together and help the government to see this through. But at the moment, all we're seeing is as we drive past the petrol station, you know, $2 a litre, um, we're seeing you go to the grocery bills and the things that you would normally buy have gone up by 15 to 20%, depending on what it is. And yeah. then we see in the media the Chris Bowens and the Tanya Plebiseks now talking about oh, we've got to get rid of all these cattle. We're going to have to start eating bugs and, and you know, plant-based. What the? You know, seriously? You, I mean, Adam and Trippy, you guys have got family. You've got more big mortgages. I mean, I've only got a small mortgage because I've worked my backside of paying it. But when you start to think all I want is to have a good income base, get my kids educated, tell the government to leave me alone. Yes. But I'll pay a fair tax as long as I get a return for my tax. A return. And at the moment, what are we buying? I recall going back in my early days, the government of the time was building the Snowy River system, right, mm. the Snowy Mountains. Billions of dollars then but what is the investment we've got from it now, okay? So we've got electricity. We had Mamora, we had um, Irarang power stations being built when I was growing up. So there was a return of investment, millions or billions of dollars spent then in terms of what it is now. But it but created we were... jobs at the same time. Exactly. So if the government was saying, right, we're going to go into serious debt now and we're going to build 
five major dams. We're going to build two coal-fired power stations, a nuclear power station. We're going to build infrastructure roads out to the west of, you know, New South Wales. We're going to build, you know, heavy rail for Badgerys Creek instead of this stupid light rail they want to do. Beauty, that's jobs, it's a return of investment, and we have a future for the future population. What are they doing? Oh, let's um, let's talk about the koalas and let's talk about building floating bloody flower, what do they call them, those windmills off the coast. It's not going to work. The money, you may as well just write a check and give it to China because that's all they're yep. going to do. Well, we're, we're in we're, trillion dollars of debt now from the pandemic and we've got nothing to show for it. Not one new nothing. road, not one new dam, not oh, new, nothing. We've got an app on our phone, which was the COVID app that oh. Scott Morrison launched and I think it found two cases. I still got it on yeah. my phone. I thought it was cute. Just delete it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's a, you're right there. And, um, Trippy, you're right. You know, when the government is selling hopelessness now, then people will start to look for the easy way out. Um, well, we, can say, we, we haven't had any leadership in this country since Howard. No. I, I was get, exactly right. John and Howard. I've got to say, I've got to put Hawke in there as well because Hawke was okay. Hawk, yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah, Hawk he was a good, I mean, like I, They all had yeah. conviction. They, they, they had a vision. Even Ke like you, can, you might disagree with everything that Keating said, but he had conviction. He had a vision. And, yeah. he, and he, he followed it through. These politicians nowadays, and they don't get long enough, they all get knifed in the back after a couple of years. I mean, that's a big problem as well. But, guys, we're going to say we do have a leader in this country. This is where I was going. I think you're going to say exactly. Yeah, that's what I was, yeah. Well, yeah. Won't the people, when the, when the people will have to realise and have a look at the track record and have to see what he's doing and then they, they have to vote the people in who run for the party to boost him up. That's what I keep telling the people at pre-poll. If you want to make change, you have to support the party that's going to make the change. And then that way we can, they can, we can reinforce in the lower house or the house of representatives. We can reinforce the upper house. You know, we're a team and we all have to work together. I just don't see why people can't see it. But Mark Latham is definitely the leader of the future of Australia. And look, you know, Mark, Mark is not what you call the best model because he's so, he talks from the heart, he's compassionate, and he's an Aussie, right? He, yep. he drops the worst dad jokes ever, right? I've got to tell him <laughs> his dad jokes. I'm, I'm sick of reading them. <laughs> but, you know, but he, he's, he's loyal to his country, he's loyal to his people, and he's passionate about the things he talks about, especially education. Like he, if Perrottet had a backbone, now this would be a test for Perrottet, if he had a backbone, he would make Mark the education minister. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, yeah. I think the most telling thing was when Perrottet and Mark Latham faced off in Parliament. You could just tell the difference in in the two, like the, the quality between the two as, as, as oh, leaders. He's going to be gone before Christmas. I'll have yeah. a bet with you, boys. He'll be yeah. gone. Oh, you think there's going to be a new leader? Yeah, Matt Keane. It's not. Oh, really? Come on. Come on. 
Really? And then Stokes. This is my premonition, okay? This is my future premonition. It'll be Matt Keane and Stokes. Well, you can say goodbye to the Liberal Party then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we should change our name to New Liberals. Ooh. And try and no, get out no, of the blue. Not, not even that. I mean, like, I think, <laughs> I mean, if you really want to look at One Nation's policy and their leadership, especially in New South Wales, we fast ex- exceed the Liberals. Forget the Liberals. Oh, the Liberal Party's done. Real, real Liberals. Real Liberals. Yeah. Well, <laughs> real Conservatives or whatever you might want to. Yeah. Real people. Real, at the end of the day, yeah. we're just real people standing up for our state and our country. And look, the other thing, too, coming up for the state election is the Christian Democrats won't have a party. The or the UAP. Oh. The UAP yeah, won't be right. Or UAP. Yeah. All right, so we're coming to the end now. Is there anything you want to touch on just before we, we uh, wrap this up? Uh, not really. Uh, I, think <laughs> uh, I just want to say if anyone's watching and have been thinking about or talking about, you know, joining a party, now's the time, okay? You've really got to join the One Nation Party Go to the One Nation New South Wales website, nsw.onenation.org.au. Go up the top, hit the join the party, um, make a donation, okay? Your donations are tax deductible. Um, For every dollar that we get, it's something that will help you, the member, and to help educate the people in this state that we are the authentic party that is the true Conservative Party left in New South Wales. And I think it's good that you brought up donations because I don't know why it's a big secret, but people don't realise that us as candidates, we fund our own campaigns. Yeah. And and that's really, why we rely really so fund heavily on Yeah. That's, yeah, well, Adam definitely did. <laughs> but, yeah. Hey, oh, hey, guys. This this will be number five if I go. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So that's commitment. We, 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 I mean, that's the real uh, evidence that we're committed to, you know, our cause and um, and how much how how passionate we are about uh, standing up for our communities. We're not we don't receive uh, money from the party. It's just it's not structured that way. So yeah, if you if you can donate, I mean, it makes a massive difference because we're really yeah. putting everything on the line to to be candidates. I know Adams. Uh, planning to run for the state election. Uh, I don't know where you stand at the moment, Gay, but uh, you're you're always in the mix and always, <laughs> you know, fighting hard. Yep, I think that's a good move. Uh, but um, how can people follow you? I know you're very active on social media. Where can they find you? Yeah, on Instagram at the at symbol Gay Cameron NSW. And the same address for Facebook, Gay Cameron NSW. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. And, and I'm on Instagram as well. I haven't been on Insta for a while because it's just all idiots on Instagram, but you just see what the idiots are talking about. That's all I watch it for. You're not on Twitter at all? <laughs> I am tweet. I hardly tweet anymore, but they're just all idiots on there. But you just see what the idiots are talking about, then you talk about them on, you know, Insta. Yeah, okay. But I'm getting educated on Insta. All the young followers are coaching the oldie how to do um, proper posts. So I'm getting Yeah, there. well, once once you learn, you have to teach me because I have I still can't get my Insta going, going properly. So, hey, Jemima is prepared to run a workshop for us, okay? Okay, yep. good. See, this I'll is be, the thing. Sign me know? up. Sign yep. me up. Yep. 
Yep. Get these young people involved because, you know, they are the future and they can help us. Yeah. I, apparently TikTok's the big thing. I, I wouldn't even understand what TikTok is. Oh, no, is. no. I'm not going to go TikToking because it's China. So yeah. <laughs> I'm not giving any more information to China. They know enough about me already. I don't plan to go visiting China anyhow, so. Yeah. All right. Well, if you really enjoyed this episode, uh, it's really important for you to sh- everyone to share this uh you know we really want to get this out we're having some great guests guys uh I, I'm, I'm really impressed with gay tonight she's she really touched on some uh great topics and uh so get this out there share it to all your friends and uh share it to even people you don't like because <laughs> they need to know about this as well uh we're on facebook instagram twitter everything's in the uh in the descriptions and uh you, you know if you if you're not a YouTube user, we're also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere. Every, a whole bunch of places I don't even know how, how to find them, but we're there. So uh, I hope you really enjoyed this episode, and we'll see you next time. See you later. See y'all.